So a few years ago, I spent a whole night in prayer. I didn't go to bed. I just spent the whole night chatting to God. It took me some time to get into a rhythm, but by the middle of the night, I was still, I was calm, I was at peace, my mind was clear. I was in that special place with God. And I really found it very special, very powerful uh, night. So here's the question. How many times have I repeated that exercise since that night? You're right, Dave. Never. How crazy is that? I've just told you how it was a wonderful experience, how special, how powerful it was. And yet, I have never done it again. Taking time out to spend with God, to be still, is really valuable. Yet it seems really hard to do. Unless I'm just weird. Don't answer that. (laughs) But I'm assuming I'm not that weird. And it probably, most of us, find it difficult to carve out that kind of time to spend in God's presence. In our reading today, we get the example of Jesus and his attitudes towards life and towards spending time with God. So we're going to look at the story together and just see what we can learn from it. Now, If you want to, you can follow it in your Bible. I'm going to go through the verses quite a bit. If you've got a Bible in front of you or just behind you, you can grab a Bible. Make sure you don't grab the person's knee behind you. Um, And you want to turn to to Mark chapter 1, where you can look at the verses as we go through them, most of them together. So in verse 32 of Mark chapter 1, we're told it was in the evening after sunset. So that was after the Sabbath was over. And they put that point in there. It's because the people couldn't carry things on the Sabbath. They couldn't carry the sick to Jesus on the Sabbath. That was against the law. That's referred to in Jeremiah 17 and verse 21. We're told that we shouldn't do that. So the people brought their sick to Jesus after sunset, after the Sabbath was over. And Jesus did two things. We're told that he healed many people and he drove out many demons. What a great night. He spent the day in the synagogue. He comes home. He heals Simon Peter's mum. They're at her, her house. And then he heals all the sick and drives out the demons. And then in verse 34, we're told that he tells the demons not to speak, not to say who he was. We're not told why he says that, but he did it before that day in the the synagogue. And most of the the intellectual thing, it was really because at that point in time, he wanted to be known uh, for, for his deeds. He didn't want people saying who he was, he wanted people to see who he was. So he tells the demons to stop spreading, stop saying, you know, this is the son of God. 
but he wanted just to be seen for what he did. And so in verse 35, in the middle of all this excitement, Jesus spent the evening after sunset healing everybody, you know, getting rid of all the demons, casting them out. We don't know if he got any sleep or how much sleep we got, but we're told he got up early while it was still dark and went off to a quiet place to spend time with God. So very little sleep. Jesus decides that if he's so busy, he needs to do without sleep so he can spend time with his heavenly father. He decides, I'm really busy just now, so I need to prioritise spending time with God. And I've got to ask myself, does that work out for me in my life? I would say more often than not, it would probably be the opposite. That when I'm really busy, I seem to spend less time with God, not more time with God. But the example of Jesus is, I'm really busy, so I need to spend more time with God. So let me just expand on that a bit. So this story takes place right at the very start of Jesus' ministry. All that's happened is, and we can read about this just the, the few verses before our reading this morning, is Jesus has called his disciples to him. He's, you know, the, the, the fishermen are no longer fishermen. He's made them his disciples. He's just called them to him. And the first thing they do from calling the disciples at the Sea of Galilee, they head off to Capernaum, this little town, and they spend the day in the synagogue, and Jesus teaches in the synagogue, and then in that evening, they're then at Simon Peter's mum's house. So it's right at the very start of his ministry. And the disciples, understandably, are buzzing. They are thinking, boy, did we make a good choice. They gave up their fishing to follow Jesus. And in the first couple of days, he's there preaching in the, in the synagogue and dumbfounding the Pharisees. He's casting out demons. He's healing Simon's mum. He's healing all the sick in the village. Everybody's rejoicing. It's party time. And the disciples are thinking, wow, this is fantastic. But what's Jesus thinking? Jesus is thinking, boy, with all this happening, I need to spend more time with God. So he makes the decision, even though he'd been doing stuff, you know, into the, the small hours, healing everybody, casting out demons, all that excitement. You can imagine that the, the, the scene, the excitement, the, the, just the joy, the jubilation, the party atmosphere. All, these, all the sick in the village being brought and, and going away, you know, well. And Jesus makes the decision to get up in the middle of the night and to go out and to spend time with God. And this isn't a one-off for Jesus. This is his pattern that you can see throughout the Gospels. Right up to the night that he was betrayed, the night you know, before his crucifixion. 
And guess what? Even after three years, the disciples still didn't get it, did they? In the Garden of Gethsemane, they still didn't get it. Which is good news for us. If we haven't still got sorted out this idea of taking time out to spend with God, three years with Jesus and the disciples were still struggling. So in verse 37, you know, we read that understandably the disciples are thinking, what's happening? Let's carry on where we left off. And they go out and find Jesus and then they say, Jesus, everybody is looking for you. I think I would be exactly the same. I'd be enthusiastic, excited, wanting to carry on. What's going to happen now? And we get the response of Jesus in verse 38. You've got the disciples unable to stand still, so excited, rushing around trying to find them. And Jesus' response is, let's go somewhere else. Can you imagine the disciples' faces? What? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? No, let's carry on where we left off. But their response was given not after spending a night with God. Jesus' response was given after spending a night with God. And we don't know what went on in that conversation. I would like to think that Jesus started off dead excited and was chatting to his heavenly father saying, God, God, good first couple of days, eh? It's gone pretty well, Dad, hasn't it? I feel quite, quite pleased how it's gone so far. You know, I would like to think that was his thought process because he's only human. You know, it'd be amazing if he was thinking, well, that was rubbish. You know, he's got to be pretty excited with how it went. But he spends time with God. And at the end of that time, somehow he's got the message, let's move on. Let's just move on. Let's not stay where we are. You see, God's timings are not our timings. He seems a lot more chilled than we are. He doesn't seem to be in a rush. You see, way, way back at the beginning, God created the Sabbath day. God created the idea of rest, a Sabbath rest. It wasn't for his benefit. God didn't need the rest. He put it in place for us because he knew we needed it. He wanted to instill a rhythm of rest in our lives. In some ways, he needed to force us not to rush, not to hurry, not to worry. You know, last words of people are are very important often. And the last words that, that Paul said to a couple of people are really interesting. The Apostle Paul, that hero of the Christian faith who set up churches all over, you know, Greece and Macedonia and that kind of area, it His last words to the leaders of the church of Ephesus are recorded in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. And he says this to them. Look after yourself and the church. And the last words that he says to Timothy are recorded in Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16. And he says to Timothy, look after your doctrine. No, he doesn't. He says, look after yourself and your doctrine. 
he says to Timothy, his prodigy, and the church leaders, look after yourself and then look after the church. Look after yourself and then make sure you stay in the straight and narrow. If anybody's flown in a plane or watched a movie with a, a plane crash in it, it comes across the tannoy what to do in an emergency. And it's get your oxygen mask. And what do you do with it? Do you put it, do you get your children's oxygen mask and put it over them, or do you get your oxygen mask and put it over yourself? What's the order? Put it over yourself. So you don't put it over your children, the people that you love more than anything in the world, the people that you die for, you don't put it over their faces first. You put it over your face first. And we know why that is, don't we? We do it so that you're in a fit state to help others. Well, bringing that analogy back to today's story, we need to look after ourselves, look after our relationship with God so that we can be in a fit and proper state to help others find their relationship with God and look after themselves. So don't walk yourself to the bone. Be actively still. As Ben said last week, being still is not a passive thing. You have to focus. You have to work. You have to try and be still. Being still. Resting. It's quite alien to most of us. But proactively carving out time to rest, to be with God, is vitally important to us. And I use that word, it's the wrong word to use, isn't it? Carving out time. It's, you know, but maybe it's the right word to use because it's like you have to, you know, force yourself to do it, to, to carve it out. It's like it's, it's effort. And probably for most of us, it is effort. We haven't got into that rhythm of carving out time. You see, God's timescales are basically not our timescales. We always seem to be under pressure, in a rush. Which is why Mark Comer, John Mark Comer, wrote his book about ruthlessly eliminating hurry. He talks a lot about Sabbath rest, about slowing down. It's a great book. He's a great guy. I'm madly jealous of. Look at him. You know, he's good looking. He's American. He's he's a theologian. He's a nice guy. The only thing I've got against him is he just loves coffee too much. But he's he's a great guy, and I would encourage you to 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 get to get his book. And in it, you know, he he talks about the need to proactively take hurry out of our lives. It seems to go against the grain, against our human nature. In today's story, and I'm kind of paraphrasing it a bit here, the disciples say to Jesus, Jesus, this is brilliant. This is great. Isn't this fantastic? Everybody wants to see you. There's so much more to do here. And Jesus' response is, let's just go somewhere else. I don't think that was a casual, let's just go somewhere else. I think that was a God-inspired. He knew what he should do. 
because of the time we spent in God's presence. Ben mentioned last week that that God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. It's not about effort. It's about God's power. And God thinks about things differently from us. And we need to be in his presence so we can start thinking more the way God does. So let me encourage you to slow down. Let me encourage you to take time out with God. Jesus did it. So I think it's a pretty good example to follow. Look at going on a retreat. You know, I went on a silent retreat once for a weekend. And I did it. (laughs) It's sad that I feel the need to put that last phrase in there. Look at the idea of having a Sabbath rest. The idea of taking at least one day off a week from all activity. That's from all activity. Not a day to be filled with church activity. It's a day of rest from activity. A day to recharge, a day to rest, a day to socialise. A day to spend time with friends. A day to spend time with God. Develop the idea of slowing down, of eliminating hurry, not just in your activity, but in your mind. And I find that the hardest thing to do, to clear my mind, to allow God to come into my mind, of being still and knowing that God is God. You know, right now I'm rereading the, uh, a book by C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters. And this book... It's, it's made up, uh, and it's, it's a, an, an elder demon uh, called Screwtape, and he's giving advice to his younger nephew called Wurramud, who's been given the assignment of persuading this new Christian to, to lose his faith. And one of the bits of advice that uh, Screwtape gives is, keep them busy, but not productive. Keep them busy but not productive. Another thing he says is, keep them busy doing good things but not communicating with God. But that will make them feel good. Eh? Busy doing good things but not communicating with God because that will make them feel good. It seems that for us, It seems that too often for Rob Milton, his plan's working. And we need to actively stand against it. Our human nature seems to drive us away from spending time with God, from slowing down. So I want to encourage you today, this week, to make a commitment to proactively carve out time like Jesus did just to be with God it is more important than the other things that right now are above it in your things to do list